Um, the uh, the question, it's, it's interesting. Over the years, we've spent a lot of time talking about uh, questions of parenthood. And uh, usually the focus always is on who is your mother, because when it comes to motherhood, the involvement that a woman has in giving birth is uh, is complex. On the one hand, she she provides genetic material in order that the baby uh, can be created. And then after that, not only does she provide the genetic material, but then she is, in fact, the gestational mother for the next nine months. She actively carries the baby. When it comes to fatherhood, on the other hand, it's not so confusing. You know, the fathers in general throughout history biologically go and uh, give their uh, part of the genetic material. Then they go off on their own merry way. Hopefully they're around to boil water and tear sheets during a labor or whatever and other important things they have to do. But the question about who is your father and uh, the issues like that don't really come up biologically. That, uh, you know, there is, one can make an argument in the event that you're dealing with a sperm donor or the like, that, you know, we have a question of, is, is your father your biological father? Is your father the person who's married to your mother? So again, there's not much of an argument there is, you know, the bottom line is the guy who was married to your mother wasn't really related in any way. There's not much to talk about. However, halachically, there is a lot to talk about. And uh, that's what I wanted to start with today. The Gemara comments in Sanhedrin, for example, that we uh, read in Parshas by Midbar not that long ago that uh, the Torah goes and talks about these are the children of Moshe and Aaron, and then you get a list of the children of Aaron. So the question is, well, wait a second, that's that's not uh, that's not actually one of the children of. Uh, Moshe, what does that have to do with anything? So Rashi points out there that, that Moshe was the Rebbe. Since Moshe was the sons of Aaron's Rebbe, therefore that gave him, him the status to a certain extent as their, their father. Similarly, it says, If somebody takes a child off the street, somebody an orphan, and raises that child, that child is considered his child as well. The Choch Mashlomo, we'll see in the Mari Mokomos, if anybody has them, if you look at the Mari Mokomos, it actually gives you a, uh, the uh, first, if I think, I'll just see which number it is, if anyone has it in front of them, number 13, the Choch Mashlomo, in the very, very first piece that Shlomo Kluger has on the Inevena Ezer, raises this question of, well, wait a second, can you be Yotze, the Mitzvah Puravu? Let's say somebody, for whatever reason, can't have children. So if they adopt, if they adopt a Yosom, if they adopt a, a, an orphan, would that count? So again, that's another question that we have. I remember many years ago, a different question came up halachically. The uh, Rashi, in the beginning of Parshas Lechacha, talks that when Avram and Sarah packed packed up to leave, they took with them, they are going before they went to Eretz Canaan, they took Esan Nefesh Asher Asu B'Choran. They took with them the nefashos, the souls that they made in Choran. So the question is, well, what does that mean? So Rashi quotes that Avram's that Avram would convert the the men and Sarah would convert the women. And the Gemara there says that that is considered that that is considered actually people that were made by uh by Avraham and Sarah, and therefore it sounds like there as well that if somebody converts someone, if someone is a Dayan in a basin for conversion, they also have the status of parent. And the question in all of these in these issues is, 
Well, what does that mean? Is that real? Are you really the person's father? I remember this goes back probably, uh, at least, I'd say at least 10 years ago, I had the following shot that came up in the basin that there was a case where a woman was Megayer, a very wonderful Gioras. And um, I was on the basin to meet Megayer, her. After she was Megayer, eventually she got married. And unfortunately, the husband passed away before they had children. And therefore, the woman needed a chalitza. So uh, we had to do a chalitza. I was on the basin on the chalitza with Rav Shechter. And uh, in fact, we uh, I uh, was halfway through the uh, chalitza, and I stopped. I said, Rav Shechter, excuse me a second, I'm going to have to stop everything. And I had to ask the question, I was Megayer, this woman. And if I'm a guy of this woman, technically one could make an argument based on some of the sources that we've mentioned that I am her father. And if I am her father, can I be on a basin for her for Chalitza? So the question is, who is someone else's father? Halachically, there are a few cases out there where things get a little uh, dicey. That's not what I wanted to talk about today. What I wanted to talk about, that that's important, and we're going to put that aside and perhaps get back to it still, depending on uh, our, how we work out here. But the issue that really keeps on coming up very, very often, and hardly a day goes by where you don't go online and look for articles and find a new article on the following situation. We had mentioned the last time I'd spoken, Kolyom Rishon, a few months back, that uh, DNA and genetic testing is becoming very, very prevalent here in uh, in the United States, for sure. And uh, because of that, if you go and you look, you end up with some uh, sometimes bad surprises. More and more people are doing uh, genetic testing, whether it's 23andMe or Ancestry DNA. They, they send in their saliva to the lab, and they find out that they have a whole bunch of new re- uh, relatives. But not only do they find out that they have new relatives, but they also find out that their old relatives aren't related to them anymore. In fact, just today, I believe, the Forward ran an article about this, about a woman who uh, took her DNA test and found out that her father was not her father. And it ends up a lot of different reasons why this might happen. It could be that it was a medical reason that uh, the uh, parents were not able to conceive, or there was an issue with the father's sperm, and therefore there was a sperm donor involved. could be that it's also not as nice reasons as to why this happened. But one way or another, as somebody after, at the age of 40, 50, 60 finds out that their father is not their father. The question is... How does that affect them in regarding halakhically the relationship to the father? Does the obligation of kibbut of aim applies to this person who you find out that biologically was never your father, but treated you as a child for the entirety of your life? That's kind of what I wanted to focus on today, the different types of uh, angles where you find that, that, that particularly this is coming up more and more with genetic testing. This is a question that's becoming uh, almost common at this point, and where you're finding out that there is a man in your life who you've always considered your father who isn't actually your father. In fact, halachli, what does that mean? In order to answer this question, we have to start with a very basic question, and that is a machokes between the Rambam and the Ramban, is what is the overall category of the mitzvah kibbut of aim? If you look at the Rambam on the first source in his Pirish HaMishnayis in Peya, the Rambam explains to us that all mitzvahs can basically be divided into two different categories. There are mitzvahs ben adam lechaveiro and mitzvahs that are ben adam lemakom. 
There are mitzvahs that are interpersonal, that are between you and another person, and there are mitzvahs that are between you and God. And the Rambam gives a list of a sampling of what mitzvahs fall into each category. So if you look, it says, Ki ha mitzvahs kula nechrakim betchira al shnei charakim. Ha'cher ke'alchad b'mitzvahs ha'miyuchados la'adam b'nafshel. There are things that are just between you and God. If a man puts on tzitzis or tefillin, right, that has nothing to do with my friend. That's between me and God. Keeping Shabbos, keeping, keeping the Shabbos is something that is a relationship between me and my God. It has nothing to do with anybody else. It's no one else's business. That is uh, also whether I'm Oved of Zara. If I'm Oved of Zara, that's a sin against God. It is not a sin against another person. So these are what we call mitzvahs bein adam lemakam. And of course, the, the list is is uh, very, very long if you keep on going, right? If you can keep on going and considering, right? When you hear shofar, when you shake of Right, there's right eating matzah. There's no shortage of mitzvahs that are mitzvahs. Basar b'cholav. That's bein adam lemakom. It's between you and God. And then there are other mitzvahs between you and and, and your fellow person. So what's a list of those mitzvahs? Kugon azhara al haganeva v'hanava eva v'netira. You're not allowed to steal. You're not allowed to cheat. You're not allowed to take revenge. Right, you have to love your fellow man. I shouldn't convince somebody to hurt somebody else. Clearly, on this list is the mitzvah of kibud of aim, the kibud of us that the Rambam puts down. The Rambam says that the fact that I am obligated to honor my parents is under the category of mitzvahs ben adam lechavero. Right? The simple understanding would be my parents give so much to me. Right? My parents go and they raise me from a young age. They changed my diapers. They fed me. They clothed me. They paid my tuition. They put up with me. The least I could do is, is honor them as payback. This is, what, this is a basic mitzvah. That is the opinion of the Rambam. It makes good logical sense. The Ramban, however, disagrees. The Ramban in his commentary to the Aseres Hadibros in the Shmos, right? Svanira kebimichtav aluchos to your chamesh rishonos beruach echad sheim kavod aborik Moshe iskarti vachamisha tiyas beruach echad shiu chamisha kadega chamisha. He says kiu b'sefer yitzira eser sfiros b'li ma'ak b'mispar eser adzbaos chamesh kadega chamesh ubris yachin mechuvenes ve'emsa. Mitzvahs parah luchah rama hayushtayim. So he says, he wants to know the following question. He says, God gave us Ten Commandments. So easily, HaKadosh Baruch Hu could have written all Ten Commandments on one tablet. Right? We've just gotten a bigger tablet. Why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu have to have two tablets? One that has five Dibras, the other one had five Dibras. Couldn't you have gotten all onto one? What was HaKadosh Baruch Hu thinking? So he says... They said, "Ki ad kibud of the aim who connected Torah shabiksav become elu connected Torah shabalpev." The nearest was there. Ramzu Rabbeinu Shenam Shamru Shtei Ruchel connected Shemayim Varetz connected Chosim Vekala connected Shtei Shushvinan connected Shnei Alamim. Call there nearmos echad a maskel yavin. So gives us these uh, ideas, or uh, kabbalistic ideas, but basically he suggests that the first five dibros 
those are all mitzvahs between Adam and Makom. Anochi Hashem Elokecha, right? That's that's between us and God, right? The fact that now we're we're not allowed to swear and not to be obeyed of Hazorah, the fact that we keep Shabbos, right? These are all items that are clearly been Adam Lemakom. However, Lo Tzigno, Lo Sigzo, right? Lo Sinaf, right? I'm not allowed to Sirtzach. I'm fat that I'm not allowed to steal, I'm not allowed to cheat, I'm not allowed to kill, etc., etc. Those are all been Adam Lechavera. Well, wait a second. The mitzvah keep it on the aim. Which of the what number is that on the top ten? Right, that's number five. So therefore, the mitzvah keep it on the aim would be on the first of the luchos, and since it's on the first of the luchos, according to the Ramban, that indicates that the mitzvah of keep it on the aim is a mitzvah of bein adam lemakom. So the machogas between the Rambam and the Ramban. The Rambam says clearly that. The mitzvah of honoring our parents is an interpersonal mitzvah, right? Our parents do a lot for us, and therefore we owe them. That is number one. On the other hand, you have the opinion of the of the Ramban that says, no, it is ben adam lemakam. Why would that make any sense? Why would it make sense that it would be ben adam lemakam? So the reason that would make sense is the Gemara comments is that there are shaloshut madam, that there are three partners that, that make a person. There is the father, you have a biological father, you have your biological mother, and you have a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Hashem says, one of the way you show me honor is by showing my partner's honor. So we have here a Bachokes. Where would we put Kibbut Aveim? The mitzvah of honoring our parents is a Beinadum L'chavero, is a Beinadum L'makom. Okay, interesting question. Is it practically, does it make a difference at all? So the Minchas Chinuch says yes. The Minchas Chinuch gives the, explains as follows. He says that when it comes to Yom Kippur, we know in order to get Kapara, there's a difference between mitzvahs Beinadum L'chavero and Beinadum L'makom. In the event that I that I did not put on tefillin the way I was supposed to this year, in the event I didn't keep Shabbos the way I was supposed to, in the event that I uh, didn't uh, shake the lulav, I didn't eat the matzah, any of those cases. So on Rosh Hashanah, on Yom Kippur, I have to go to Kodesh Baruch Hu, I have to do my vidui, I have to ask forgiveness, and that's how I get kapara. However, if it's a benodim lechavero, if I did something wrong to my friend, not only do I have to go and ask Kapar from a Kodesh Baruch Hu, but I have to ask Mechila for my friend. So the Sefer Achinuch wants to know whether or not a person has to go to their parents on Erev Yom Kippur and say, I'm sorry, I wasn't particularly good in Kibbut Aveim this year. And the first, and therefore, I ask my parents first to forgive me, and then when my parents forgive me, then I can talk to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. If it's like the Rambam says, I've been Adam Lechaveru, then I have to ask my parents. If we follow the Ramban that it's only been Adam Lemakum, then I don't have to ask my parents. Right? That is the nafkamina that the Minchas Chinuch brings down. The Maram Sheikh has other nafkaminas about whether if parent is mochel, can they get it back afterwards, etc. So that's a basic question. How do we paskin? So interesting, the Gemara later on says in uh, Kiddushin, Tan that the bits of Kibbut of the aim doesn't only apply when the parents are alive, but even applies after the parents have passed on. The Gemara goes on to explain the Moso Ketzat, how exactly are you supposed to honor your parents? If they pass on, that the person you want after the after the uh, 
the parents have passed away. You don't just go and quote your parents and say, you know, by name, by the issue, she still taught, taught, treat them with respect, right? It's not just Abba, it's Abba Murray, right? And not only that, but the person that says, Harini Kaporis to Mishkavo, I should be a Kapora, but whatever I do is saying a Kaddish, that should all count for the parents. Now, it's very interesting because it seems from there the idea is that when it, after a person dies, we say that uh, the people that are in the Hever Kaddisha, they do a Chesed Shalemes. They don't do just a regular Chesed, they do a, an unbelievable Chesed Shalemes. What does Chesed Shalemes mean? That they are doing something great. So the idea being is that really you don't get paid back. There's no Chiv anymore of Ben Adam Chaveru after a person has died. I said, therefore, if Kibbut of Aim applies even after a person has died, that indicates that Kibbut of Aim is a Ben Adam Lemakom. It's not just a Ben Adam Lechavero. This discussion about what it is actually comes into an important question that unfortunately comes up nowadays as well. I've had uh, people come over to me, I've had Talmudim come over to me and saying that they're having issues with their parents. And one of the reasons is because their parents are either absolutely irreligious or absolutely immoral, unfortunately. So the question comes up, whether a person has chayvati mechabit, a parent who's a rasha, just, just a really bad guy. So the Rambam says, The Rambam says, even if your father is a terrible, terrible guy, you still have to be mechabit, your father. Okay. The Torah, however, disagrees. The Torah, however, says that seems to be against the Gemara in Bavakama. What the Gemara in Bavakama says as follows, that uh, if somebody, let's say my I, uh, my father was a horse thief. My father wasn't a horse thief. But let's say he was. So my father was a horse thief. And what did he do professionally? He stole horses. No one ever liked him. My father should have returned the horses, but my father passed on. He never returned the horses. The question is, does the child who inherits these stolen horses have to return them? So technically, from a halachic point of view, the answer really is no. We assume that was a Kenyan Geneva, he now owns it, etc. So the question becomes, well, wait a second. These are horses. Everyone knows whose horses people are. So I'm going to be riding on the stolen horse. And, uh, you know, my father, Moshe Leganov, and stole them. So every time I ride the horse down the street, there people will say, ah, look, there's that horse again that Moshe Laganov stole. It'll be an embarrassment to my father. It's an embarrassment to my father, you know, so um, that's um, something perhaps I should care about. The Gemara says, no, if your father did tshuva before he passed away, then in fact it's appropriate to return the horses. But if your father never did tshuva, so what? So your father will be embarrassed. So the Torah says, don't you see from that Kamara that there's no chiv of kibbut of for a father who's a Russia? Kamara said, Beferish, if the father didn't do tshuva, then I don't have to return the horses. And even though every time I ride the horses, my father will be embarrassed, so what? So the Torah disagrees with the Rambam. The Rambam who says that the yat mechabed your father no matter what, Right, so the tour turns around and he says, "No, it's actually not true. You don't have to be mechavid a father who's a Russia." An interesting machlokas. In fact, if you look at uh, earlier sources, there seem to be support both ways. Right, if you look at Rashi, at what's really the very end of Pasha's Noach, uh, well-known Rashi says, "Vayomas terach b'chorah." 
right? At the very end of Noah, at the end of Bereshus, we get the 10 generations from Avraham to Noah. At the end of Noah, we get the 10 generations from Noah. We get from Adam to Noah. And then in the, at the end of, of Noah, we get the generations from Noah to Avraham. So Rashi says, it's discussed, it says the end, Vayamas Tarach Bechoran, then Tarach died. Rashi says, wait a second, if you do the math, this totally isn't true. Right? Because we know what? We know that uh, it's, it tells us that when um, Avraham was born, Terach was 70 years old. And therefore, when Terach dies at the age of 210, right? Avraham's 140. Avraham goes to Haran when he was in his 70s. So there are many, many years from the time that Avraham goes to Haran until Terach dies. So why are you telling me Terach dies before Lechacha? Terach lived through Lechacha. He was still alive in Vayera when the Malachim came to Avraham. He was still alive when Yitzchak was born. Right? If you do the math, was, you, you know, we can still, it's pretty close when you're at, when you're at the Akeda. So what what do you tell me? Tarach died back back, to, back in Noah. He lived through the entirety of Lechacha and, and through uh, most of Ayera as well. So that's what Rashi asks. Avram seventy-five. Right, and he, so therefore, if he's he was seventy when I was born, so he's one hundred and forty-five when he leaves. He had years to go. He lived that we think two hundred and seven, right? So it's another sixty-two years. So he says, "Shlo yadavim meforsum akol v'yom avokiim avim as kibud aviv l'shenichu zakim v'halachav." Because people will turn around and say, ah, Avram, that no good, Nick. He should have been taking care of his father. He left him. So therefore, we have a little, we, we have a drosha, and we assume, no, 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 really, he's, he's gone. It doesn't really matter. He doesn't count anymore. He's dead. What do you see from there, though? Terach was a Russia. There's an indication still that there was a chiv of kibbutz, because what if not? You know why would why would we be so concerned to cover this up? The Zohar regarding Rachel and Lavan, Lavan we can I think agree was a Russia, right? Bikesh Rakhor es Hakol. But the Rachel Iu Avdis Rakhor Ravua Mibasa Avodazara. So Rachel ends up dying because she stole the trophy. Now she did it for a good reason. The Zohar tells us she wanted to keep her father from Avodazara. Because she violated Kibbut of Aim, right? And she uh, she made her father upset. She ended up dying young, right? Doesn't that also seem to be a strong point that indicates that the Rambam is right? That there is there is still a chiyuv of kibud of aim when it comes to a father who's a rasha. On the other hand, Chizkiyahu Amelach seems to be, seems to point another way. The Gemara in Brachas tells us Chizkiyahu Amar Leisi Yeshaya Gabai the Yishkachem Beliyod Ozel Gabe Achav. 
So the Gemara here by Chizkiyo, so Chizkiyo uh, turns ill. And uh, there has to be a meeting between him and Yeshayo. So the question is, who ranks more, the Melech Yisrael or the Navi Yisrael? So Chizkiyo points out that, in fact, I outrank. Why is that? Because Elio Navi came to Achav. Even though Achav was a Russia, so Yeshayo should come to me. I'm a good guy. On the other hand, it says, That when his father died, his father was a Russia, he dragged his father's body through the streets. That's not Kibbut Avim. And besides everything else, if you're so insistent that, that anyone who's a Melech gets treated well, his father was a Melech as well. So this is a major issue. So is there a chiv or is there not a chiv? So the answer that most Akronim point to goes back to our original question. In our original question, we spoke about the idea it was kibbut of aim a mitzvah or is a mitzvah So the Akronim, when they put everything together, they come up and say, you know what it is? It's both. It's not an either or. There are aspects of there. there it's both ben adam chavero and ben adam makom. Now, since it is both ben adam chavero and ben adam makom, that means as follows. That means that, for example, when it comes to asking mechira, you should have to ask mechira from your parents, because after all, there is definitely an aspect ben adam chavero. Now, when it comes to a Russia, how do we deal with this? So Akadosh, so we're saying that if you tell me that kibbutz of Eim is a mitzvah, so you have to do it because it's God's will. Is it God's will for us to honor people that are wicked? No, it's not. It's not God's will that we honor people that are wicked. Therefore, technically, a Russia should not be chayev in in the kibbutz of Eim. If your parents are Russia, no. On the other hand, to the extent that it's a mitzvah, Right to that extent, well, that applies no matter what. So, for example, let's say you know a person who is who's totally evil, right, takes me off the street and does me a favor, helps me out, feeds me, etc. This isn't the value judgment. This is a matter that I really have to pay back somebody who did me a favor. So, therefore, if somebody, if we're talking about a mitzvah uh, that he said that it's a mitzvah, so if the parent is a Russia, the Rambam says, yeah. Even though the parent is a Russia, the bottom line is they did you a favor. You owe them something. They changed your diapers. Whatever they did, you owe them something. Now, of course, that only applies, the Rambam will tell you, that we, as we said, Mitzvah only applies as long as a person is alive. So once you have that, you so you can answer all of the cases we've discussed. So, in fact, Terach was a Russia. But as long as he was alive, there was a Ben Adam Chavero. Avram should have taken care of him. Lovin was a Russia as long as he was alive. Rachel was, was obligated to honor him. However, the case of the person who is Yoresh, the horses from his father, the horse thief. So there's no Ben Adam Lamako because the person was a Russia. There's no Ben Adam Chavero because the person is passed on. And therefore, because of that, there's no Chiv Kavad anymore, just like Chizkiya. Chizkiya had to honor his father. Elio had to honor Achav as long as they were alive. But once the person dies, right, there's no longer a Chiv anymore. 
So based on all this, we see when it comes to the mitzvah, when we talk about the mitzvah of uh, of um, honoring a parent, so there's two aspects to it, right? It's not the Rambam or the Ramban, it's the Rambam and the Ramban. There is the aspect of that you're a chayiv in the mitzvah of kibbutz to, to your father because he's a shutta for Takadosh Baruch Hu. Biologically, he gave something here. He worked together. Your mother gave the egg, your father gave the sperm, and Takadosh Baruch Hu put it all together. So, therefore, as a mitzvah bin Adam someone who's can be a shutta for a partner of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, you should treat them well because they are a partner of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And then there is a second aspect that they went, and even after you were born, after you were conceived, right? Still, they went and they raised you all these years. So when you put it together, there are two aspects when it comes to the mitzvah of kibbutz of aim. Now, once you have that you sowed, right, you can go and begin to deal with the modern questions that we have nowadays. So very interesting, there is a comment that when they list off the uh, Shivim Nefesh that went down to Mitzrayim, so overwhelmingly the list is male. But there are two females who, uh, besides, actually there's more than two females, but again, of the, we would call them Yaakov's grandchildren's generation, there are two females who make the list. Now the most famous one is Yocheved. Because if you add it up, there's only 69, there isn't 70. So Rashi tells us that Yocheved was Noah ben Achomos. And that's very important because then we know when Yocheved was born and Yocheved ends up being the mother of Moshe Rabbeinu. And Moshe Rabbeinu is 80 years old, 210 years later when they leave Mitzrayim. So we see that Yocheved is 130 years, right? There's a lot to talk about there. So that is Yocheved. But what about the second woman? Who's the second woman that gets mentioned? Serach Bas Asher. Okay. Sarah Bas Asher, what do we know about her? So if you look, very interestingly, there is a comment in the uh, Targum which says that Sarah actually was not the daughter of Asher. Right? Sarah was a stepdaughter that uh, that Asher's wife had a child from a previous marriage. And and when Asher uh, married his wife, he went and he adopted Sarah. You look at number 12 of Zilberstein, it says, unbelievable statement. so the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu counts a stepchild as one of the Shivim Nefesh, that's a very strong statement. That means that, that even though biologically Asher was not the father of Sarah, still HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the Torah puts his gushpanka, he puts his uh, seal on this, that in fact that Asher is considered the real father. And therefore, he says, that is a strong riot to the Chach which is the next source, which we mentioned earlier on. The Chach says, when it says, Kol ben chavero so, the, so it would seem from here that, in fact, if somebody adopts a child, raises a child, halachically, they have the full status of a parent. 100%. Because if not... Right, because Sarah is considered a child of Asher, she's considered a grandchild of Yaakov. 
And that would mean everything. Meaning that would mean that, in fact, Usher could be Mekayim the Mitzvah Pururavu by adopting this child, if we really, if we take it uh, as literally as it seems. It would seem that, in fact, to the, to the extent that girls are Yoresh, that Sarah halachically would be, would be Yoresh. And of course, it would go without uh, saying that Sarah is, of course, Chayiv and keep it off when it comes to Asher, even though Asher is not her biological father. If you look, there seem to be other sources that point in this direction as well. Take a look at number 14. It is a Gemara in Sanhedrin. Right, so they talk about in uh, Shmuel Aleph about the children of Michal. So Rabbi Yeshua points out that actually these weren't Michal's biological children. So it says, now Meirav Yerada Michal Gidra. Now Meirav gave birth to them, but Michal she raised them. Lefichal Nikhu Al Shmam. Landish called Megadal Yosem Bissel Beisam Alav Kiiru Yerada. So we seem to be taking the sources quite seriously here. That in the event that there is somebody out there who raises a child, even if they didn't biologically give birth to the child, it seems very serious that, in fact, this is a real child. Now, once you have that in mind, you, in fact, if we assume this to be true, that, of course, opens up the door for all the questions that we have. Right? Somebody has been living their entire life assuming that uh, that the person they called daddy was their father. Now, all of a sudden, magically, it ends up that uh, through, bi- through biological testing, that's not their father at all. So are they chayv and kibbutz anymore? So the answer would seem to be yes. Because we have really, it's a twofold answer. On the one hand, there are these sources which seem to take the idea of raising a child, quite literally. If it's quite literally, then that person is your father. That person raised you. But let's say we don't take it quite so literally, because there do seem to be sources that point in the, uh, in the other way. For example, if you look at number 16, there's a Gemara in Soter. Gemara Sot says, Rav Yaakov raised his grandson, Rabbi Yaakov, the son of his daughter. So one day he said to this grandchild of his, do me a favor, get me a cup of water. I'm not your son. I'm not your son, I'm the son of your daughter. Now, what's the Gemara trying to tell us here? That's a very, very, very odd Gemara, to put it uh, it, uh, lightly. Why is it? Because on the one hand, if this is a case, it's not some outsider who is raising the child here. This is a grandfather. Now, as a person to honor their grandfather, so that's a machlokas, in the Ramah and Yeradeya, right? The Ramah, the Ramah quotes a source that says you're not chayv. The Ramah himself says that seems to be against Rashi and Chumash, right? It says in Parshas Vayigash that um, that um, 
that uh, Yaakov brought, brought a carbon to the god of his of his father Yitzchak. So Rashi makes a comment: Why why is it the god of Yitzchak? Why is it the god of his grandfather Avraham? He says, because a person is obligated more so to to honor their father rather than even more than to honor their grandfather. What does that indicate? That means that the obligation a person has to, uh, to honor a grandfather is only so high, but the uh, mitzvah to honor, it, 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 to honor a father is more. So uh, that being the case, you still see there is a chiyav to honor your grandfather. So this gemara is very bothersome. One is you are chayav to honor your grandfather. That's number one. But number two is even if he not to, even if, the, if this was a foreigner, wouldn't you have to honor the person who raised you? Isn't it basic being adam lechaveru? So Rabbi Shelter, when he mentions this gemara, he says that this is a gemara. That you know, you, you it's very, it's really an, an outlier. It's very difficult to learn from this Gemara because it's just so odd on so many different levels. It's very hard to put it together. So on the one hand, we said if somebody raises, you know, a child, so it's interesting. We talk about adopting. Adopting is not a Jewish concept, right? Adopting is a secular legal concept. Might be an important secular legal concept. But when it comes to, right, there's no formal adoption when it comes to halacha, right? There's just a child that needs to be raised, and you take them into your house and you raise them. So, according to these sources, it would seem that arguably that's that's really being a parent. But even if it's not really being a parent, it's no worse than the example of the parent who's a Russia. The parent who's a Russia has given up whatever bein adam le. Makom chiv there is of kibun, and it has been replaced by the ben adam lechavero part of it. So that, that meaning that you owe them just for what the fact that they've done all this for you. So in this situation, where of course you know the person has raised has raised you, you thought the person was your father, and now you just find out afterwards. It really doesn't make a difference. Now, this, of course, has wide-reaching ramifications. What about a ger? So we talk about, we spoke about in the beginning, we mentioned passingly that there is a potentially a halachic opinion that, is, that the basin who is megayer, a ger, is in fact considered the uh, parent. But what about, let's forget about that. Let's talk about a simpler case. What about the non-Jewish biological parent? Is a ger obligated to honor their non-Jewish parent? Now, halachically, this person is not their parent. Ger shenisgayer kekotan shenola dummy. Right? So halachically, on the other hand, but they raised you. They raised you from the from a young age. They fed you. They clothed you. They send you to school. They they they. They put within you this desire to, to find the truth that led you to becoming Jewish, etc., etc. Right? So therefore, based on that, Rav Moshe has a tshuva. Rav Moshe writes that uh, he thinks that absolutely that the non-Jewish parents can walk the ger down the aisle at their wedding. Perhaps there, there's a certain amount of availus is appropriate in that case. 
because of this idea of the Ben Adam Lechavero when it comes to the when it comes to somebody who raised you, that yes, Hakarastatov is one of the very basic things that we uh, have. We'll just skip to the final source as it's uh, kind of late right now. Rev. Sturmbach has a tshuva. Whether or not a parent is supposed, a child is supposed to sit shiva for an adoptive parent. And he writes, So he did, so uh, Sternberg points out that when Tevi, the famous Eva, died, Rav Gamliel sat Shiva for him. Biologically, they weren't related. He said, no, he was a good man. He was a good man. It's worthy of that. So he says that he thinks that for sure, it would by by an adoptive parent, for sure, a person would. So the bottom line, if someone loses an adoptive parent, the bottom line is that the person really is not well. A person should be upset. And the person is upset, people should make a shiva visit. So you see from here that this is, that it's that when it comes to adoptive parents, right, that really we treat them with parents almost the entire way. So therefore, in these situations that keep on coming up where someone finds out that their father was not biologically their father, the truth of the matter is halachically, it does not make much of a difference. That it could be halachically, the fact that that, that man raised you makes him halachically your father, A. Eh? And even if not, this is the person who treated you so well, somebody you own such hakaras hatov to. So again, the, every bit of kevod of we assume has in it a certain amount, as the Rambam says, of bein animal chavero, and of course, the bein animal chavero does not change at all. So therefore, as we said last time, we're, we we discourage people from doing the twenty three and me, right? We discourage people from looking into ancestry DNA unless there is a specific reason that a person needs information. Just wouldn't it be cool is, is not good enough reason a person would probably be better off not knowing. But in the event that a person finds out at some later death that their father is not their father, the obligation to give a card on uh, Father's Day remains the same. Thank you very much. Everyone should have a wonderful week.